Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, kicking off turkey season, turkey content, turkey uh, series, whatever we're going to call it this year. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing? Dude, you don't sound very excited, Andrew. I'm tired, <laughs> dude. I'm still just tired. I think in the last outro, I was talking about how tired I am, but I'm still tired, so sorry, everybody. Yeah. No, uh, doing good. I'm excited. Uh, so Monday's episode, we had... Uh, both uh, Barry Smith and uh, Ben George on the podcast, which is kind of fun. I was actually going back and re-listening to it. Mm-hmm. And, dude, Ben 
talking about his buddies shooting that turkey on public land out of a deep freeze is hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, he, he probably is the only person in the world to shoot a turkey out of a deep freeze on public land using a Browning 10 gauge. Yes, so I'm, I'm sure. I'm like, okay, well, that's that makes it a little interesting. But, dude, it was a fun conversation, kind of kick us off. And, again, we got some other really cool episodes. Actually, we're going to be recording one tonight that uh, listeners will hear in, a, in probably a week or two uh, that we're really excited about. Mm-hmm. I guess that we – actually, you've been wanting to get on the podcast for a long time. Yeah, like so, two years now. Yeah, so, so. it's going to be real good. It, probably probably a high entertainment factor, I yes. think. Yeah. Uh, at least. A lot of people are going to know who this guy is, especially if you live in Alabama. Yeah, cool. So. Well, I, I'm excited for it. Uh, but also – Real quick, before we kind of go into it, because we had the we had, did, got back from the um, second annual hunters meetup at yep. Weaver Meets, which was fantastic. But before we get into that, also had a little update. Um, really, right before we recorded that last episode, you and me took uh, our dogs out, both Pepper and Boone, did some quail hunting. Yep. Shot shot a snipe. <laughs> I wish it was more snipe. <laughs> and uh, that that was pretty fun. It's your buddy Cody's uh, property, which is the guy that's in the club that kind of working together on. And he he's I think hopefully the only club member that listens to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> because actually at the hunters meetup, I had a guy come up to me like, man. Andrew, you and Andrew are like real open about what y'all talk about in the club. And I'm like, well, thankfully, at least to our understanding so far, only Cody's the only one that listens in the club. Yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, he's like, he's like, man, y'all, y'all share a lot. Of, he's like, it's good. I like it. But he's like, it makes me a little nervous just thinking about, you know, you know, these other guys start tuning in that's in the club and start kind of <sighs> keying in on some of these spots. Yeah, that's probably a major factor in <laughs> me deciding to stay in the club uh, because, you know, we were talking about possibly joining a different club like across the street and that the other club's got more members and the other club has like younger members too so i don't know if any of that because most of the guys in my club are like uh at least the guys that hunt out there a lot they're all older Mm -hmm. and they're not like i don't think they listen to any podcast period um so they don't fit the demographic uh, and I haven't ran into any problems with anybody like listening to the podcast or anything. Now I don't I don't mention the podcast. Like when we went out to the work day yeah. this September, I told uh, Sam and Mike I was like, "Hey, y'all don't mention no no, no Southern Outdoors and merch." <laughs> I was like, "Don't wear a hat. Don't don't say anything to anybody." Yep. And I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. There's another guy in the club who's got like a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about his YouTube channel, and I was cutting my eyes over at them. I was like, Mm-mm. "Don't say nothing." <laughs> well, he just got himself a pretty cool <laughs> show, man. Y'all tune in. I was like, "Don't say a word." Yeah, no. Um, but anyways, but it, it was kind of fun to go see. Um, Cody's property because, or really both properties, because he's got 130 acres on one side of the road, 90 acres I think on the other on the adjacent side. And dude, what he's gonna do to that property? Yeah, I asked awesome. him, I was like, "Do you know Alan Summerford and Kyle Livebarger?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, "Dude, I'm like, what you're doing is like what they preach about doing, getting kind of getting stuff back to like not only your just native vegetation, but really kind of focus on some more of that grassland, uh, early uh, successional kind of habitat." Yeah. And dude, because you didn't get to see the big property. Yeah. We we I say the big property, the 130 acres versus the 90 acres. 90 acres is kind of cool. It's kind of like um little it's a, actually a pretty decent sized ag field that he bought with some timber up around it kind yeah. of bats, butts up against the club but we go to the other property it was like a huge or is was a huge stand of hardwoods like big pretty hardwoods. kind of remind me of some national forest really mm-hmm. like looking at and i told him like dude i haven't seen many pieces of pub or pieces of private in this county that actually have that much hardwoods on a property that hasn't been like you know, logging. He's like, it'd been logged before, but it's been a long time ago. He's like, there. He was telling me about the history of that property. Like, there's a site on that property where there's a um, 
like Civil War and post Civil War uh, sawmill on the property. Oh, and actually, where we parked the truck was right next to it. They had like a oh. they, they had a well dug that they used like cool saw blade and like do some other stuff with. And I'm like, dude, have you gone out here with the with a metal detector? He's like, actually, I think I can't remember if he did or not, but he's like, did you go around and find all these like square uh, square head nails and like a bunch like uh, all kind of coins, old coins and stuff like all in and around that spot, dude? Wow, and it, it's dude, it's cool. That's pretty. And he's cool. like arrowheads. He's like, man, you go around and find arrowheads everywhere on the property. And while we were there, uh, his wife, uh, Sandra, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sandra. Um, she was actually walking a couple of the food plots on the property where he had tailed up and, and it had just rained, looking for arrowheads. Nice. And I'm like, and like, oh, yeah, we found a bunch of them, man, like some really good ones, too. And I'm like, that is, oh, that is pretty legit. So jealous. Yeah. So he's got like Civil War, post-Civil War, like air stuff on the property. And oh, he's got, you know, cool. all kinds of Native American, like, you know, artifacts stuff on the property. That's too. A, that's the dream right there, my man. Yeah, that's uh, the dream. But like, dude, he's cut he cut all the ridge tops or cut most of the ridge tops on that property. He was trying. He was telling me he was trying to get a logger to come in. He couldn't find one that would do it. Just doing like a very high select cut on the hardwoods on the ridge tops, and nobody mm-hmm. would do it. They wanted to clear cut it, so he had him come through and do these clear cuts on the ridge tops. And he's kind of he planted uh, longleaf pines and doing a longleaf pine savannah where he's in a savannah uh, planting. I yeah. guess, format. So, you know, they're really spaced out and they're real small still. It's been like, I think he said two years since they planted it. But, dude, it looked so good. And he's like, the turkeys? Oh, my God. And I was like, <laughs> I was like dude, listen. Like, and he's like, my goal, he was talking about, he's like, my goal is to try to kill 150-inch deer on this property. Like, they're in the area, but everything around here is closed canopy pines. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this would be like one parcel and the parcel across the road that like is managed in a specific way to offer a lot more food, better cover, but really high quality food sources year round, not using food pots. Yeah. Like actually using native browse. And dude, it looked incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I told Alan at the at the meetup, I was like, bro, I found somebody. Like he don't <laughs> he doesn't even know who you are. He doesn't even know who like Lane Lexi, any of those guys are, but he's been doing it and it's like after doing some research and it is a killer property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see how it turns out, and uh, it was fun getting to go hunt with him and and talk more about like the ten point first of all, mm-hmm. uh, and and I mean really just kind of get to know him better too. Uh, and we were talking about that ten point. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, early in the season when I said that we wanted to pass it and give him another year, like I wasn't kidding. Cody was saying that because mm-hmm. he really thinks that that deer has potential to maybe push you know 150 or so next year. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and like I said, the, the other guys on the club who were at least aware of him, um, they didn't really run cameras this year. It sounds like, so I don't know if they know it, that he's still alive or, or what their focus on that deer is, but that guy might not join up again this year. So if he doesn't, I was like, man, that'd be nice. <laughs> Cause I don't have that. Spot. I don't know. Then you might have a listener join the club. Oh. And all of his scouting Ooh. research is you learn from podcasts. Oh, well, I'm not telling y'all the name of the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That would be crazy. That it's would like, be kind of hilarious. He's like, he's like, man, I was listening to the podcast. He's like, based off what you said on the episode, it's like, it's probably this area you're focused on. And you just like have to sit there like smile and like, mm. no, it's the other end of the property. <laughs> yeah. no, you lie. Lies. Yeah. Lies. But, well, you just mentioned the, uh, the meetup event. That was a lot of fun. That was awesome. Uh, so this was the first year we did the big buck contest yep. the weaver's big buck contest and uh man people really showed up and showed out Dude, for it i it think awesome. i don't know how many entries did they have uh like 60 or it, it was like 50 something 45 to 50 but the top 20 to just make top 20 it had to be the the 
the 20th buck, which who's actually listening to the podcast. I cannot remember the gentleman's name. Um, but uh, he killed a deer and he made top 20. He was the 20th place and he was like 132, like 132 inches and some change. Yeah. Uh, it was like an awesome deer. And that mm-hmm. was the 20th place. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. And really, it was kind of funny while we were like, especially with the competition aspect, because there's a lot of people that came just to see some big deer. And like, <laughs> there's so much to talk about here. But like, so there was like guys making comments. So like, man, shows there's some big deer in Alabama. And yeah. it, it, I'll be, especially because there's so many deer that get killed in like North Alabama that were entered mm-hmm. to the club. But like that listener who he was able to make top 20, he came from like East Alabama, like Central East Alabama, yep. and, and killed it. So there was deer from all over the place. But the one, listen, our, and our buddy Talon, Talon Neal. Yeah, Talon he, made it. He made, he was like, he was he, 19th. He was like 19th. Yeah, like 100 and I think it was 100 and God, what was that deer score? 135, 137, something like that. Uh, deer killed public land. Yeah, I told Town, I've been telling Town, and I'm going to say it on the podcast, he sucks at taking photos of animals. <laughs> because, like, dude, he shot that deer. I was like, oh, man, it's a nice buck, but, like, didn't think much about it. And when I went to Daniel Williams' taxidermy uh, over uh, Cedar Ridge uh, Chronicles' taxidermy uh, to go pick up our deer, I saw we were talking and we brought Town. He's like, oh, that's Town's buck right there. I'm like, that's Town's deer? Like, first off, the, the form is huge. It's a huge body deer. Yeah. But, like, the rack, I'm like, I'll text it. I'll text town. I'm like, dude, you suck at taking photos. <laughs> this deer is way bigger than like you made it look like. Um, he was it was the opposite of long army. Like he had the camera like maybe twenty feet away from the deer, and it's like, oh, it looks like a nice buck. But then you saw it in person. It's like, dude, that yeah, thing that's is a really like, really nice. That deer. deer is awesome. I was saying, I was telling him the same thing because that was the first time I'd seen it. Was at the event. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a good one. Our buddy Kyle Huffstutler showed up. He had his buck, yep. which I mean, he like barely missed it. He was like number twenty one. Dude, think. he had, it, that deer has tines for days. He yeah. showed me the rack, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, that's a, that's a really good deer. It's like one hundred thirty inches, I think. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then to to touch the the top five, you had to be in the mid one fifties. Yeah, the it, the smallest of the top five was like one. 155? Yeah, 154, 155, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then the winner, the funny story with the winner, the guy that won it, I, ca- I cannot remember the guy's name, uh, but he's a buddy of one of our friends, uh, Nick DeCardi. And when he shot that deer and Nick posted the photo about it, I'm like, y'all have to make the two-hour drive go and go check this deer in and, and like submit it for this for this inch for this contest because i'm like hey there's a very good chance he's walking away with thousand dollars <laughs> okay which was the top prize which is yeah, top top prize thousand dollars cash and um nick was like oh, i'll tell him and then nick got it he's like ah oh, he doesn't really know if he wants i'm like he needs like you are uh, like he is crazy if he does not make this drive okay mm. yeah it's gonna take you know three, four, four or five hours out of your day. Go do it on a Saturday. Give up a day of hunting. Go get this deer submitted. He got the deer submitted. And while we were at the event, I was walking around. There were some other real big deer there. Mm-hmm. And I told him, like, hey, man, I went up shook his hand, like, well before, like, they started, like, finalizing scoring. I'm like, I'm like, congratulations. He's like, what? I'm like, I, you're, I think you're going to be cashing some money today. <laughs> Pretty confident. Pretty confident. And ended up that deer score, I think, 171 on the dot. I think it was 173, actually. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was one seventy three. It was it was somewhere. It was it is, which I think Nick was telling me that they had it taped up in the one sixties or something. One seventy for Alabama Whitetail Records. Okay, it was like one seventy and some change, I think. And then yeah, and we get Buckmasters. Buckmasters. Yep. So I love Buckmasters. Yep. But but dude, it is a gigantic buck, and it came from a county that like produces some big deer. But like you don't see a whole bunch of ones. I mean, you don't see a one seventy coming out of that county that it came out of. No, and I was no, just like, not. I was like, what is it? Is and it's incredible. I mean, killed on fifteen acres. Nick actually had seen the buck 
pretty crazy story. We're going to have Nick on the podcast and really maybe have him on the podcast too and talk about it. I told Nick at the event, I'm like, hey, let, let's do a podcast for real. It's, it's going to have to be probably a couple weeks, but we're we're going to do a podcast. Yeah, and because I, I would love to tell the story of that deer, but they do, he won it. He won the whole thing. Yep. And the funny thing is, I was filmed. So when they were calling out, like, you know, number five or four number three and we got to like number three i was like looking at over at his table and him and him and nick are like sitting that, there that was and the most fun part was watching uh their they're, reactions they're squirming it's yes. like every time he wasn't getting called he's like yes and like dude <laughs> and then he got to number two and it like they're like held their breath said number two is this one guy he killed a 164 inch buck which crazy story to be told there as well but he kills his 164 inch deer in north alabama and it's just dude it looks like something you come from iowa i mean he is like the deer is probably only maybe 15 to 16 inches wide, but it's got mass. Not quite as much as big as this Nalgene bottle, but it is gigantic mass. The yeah. whole thing, just a yep. freaking chocolate rack, just huge deer. Yep. Anyways, when they call him, that guy had 164 is number two, dude, their table erupted. <laughs> they're, like, they're patting each other in the back, <laughs> hugging and stuff, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then he called him up. He went, dude, it was so killer. Yeah, uh, but got yeah, a cool G. 170 plus inch deer. Uh, just a giant buck. Yep. Giant so that's buck. the number to beat next year, guys, for the for the Weavers Meetup Big Buck Contest. You're 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 gonna need to kill like a, a one seventy probably to I mean, get to win that thing. Definitely, I think there's enough guys in that North Alabama area that kill like one fifties or have a chance to kill one fifty. So like, I feel like to make the top five, you got to be in that kind of category, which is unbelievable. And that was the cool thing about seeing the event. Mm-hmm. So many big deer, and then also they also so we had Buckmasters there. And they had four scores, four of their master scores came in, um, including one of the guys, I think that was like one of the founding members of the Buckmaster scoring system. Oh, who, who was at the table. That's cool. And they were scoring, I mean, they scored so many bucks. It was crazy from, I mean, literally like there was, I got there at 745 at eight o'clock. The event didn't even open at nine. There was a line of people getting ready to get deer scored at eight <laughs> o'clock and they started scoring deer at 830. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Um, but dude, just the amount of deer coming through. Uh, was insane. Like there was one other 170 inch buck they got brought, but the guy killed it in 2001 uh, up in that that general area. Oh yeah, that was the 171. I talked to him. He's a listener. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah, or he, is he? Yeah, he bought a hat. Cool. Yeah. Right yeah. on, man. Kill you another 170. <laughs> freaking have that hat on, man. Oh man, I get my hands all like oh, excited. <laughs> um, but dude, there were so many big deer there. Like it was just incredible, kind of seeing all that. And again, all these Alabama deer. And like, there was mm-hmm. guys that came down, like listeners came down from, I think it was Georgia, one uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Tennessee. Mississippi. Um, I think that was the other states represented. Of course, the Alabama. Mm-hmm. But uh, dude, it was, it was unbelievable. I was so excited. It was so awesome. And then also we did a live Q and A. So if you were one of the one of the member one of the listeners that actually attended the event, you got to experience actually two live Q and A's. Yeah, we had one live Q and A at eleven o'clock that was just for the audience member, not recorded, not going to be released anywhere else. Uh, that had Wes Moe, Jamie McKay, Michael Perry, and Shane Parker on it. Awesome yep. conversation there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did one at like one o'clock, one thirty with, I did one with Alan Summerford talking about like mastering killing big bucks and small properties because a lot of people in that area that have some private land, there are a lot more small property owners, like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 acres. Yep. And, um, and Alan's had a lot of success on some of his smaller parcels, like 40 acres and less killing big deer. And we did a whole, really it was more of a seminar than a Q and a, it was fantastic. Um, but, uh, it was such a freaking cool event. And again, definitely next year it's going to be even bigger. So like 
we're gonna we're gonna kind of finalize the dates. I think we're gonna stick with this date for 2025. Yeah, that's a good date after yeah. after deer season. You yeah, know, like kind of in between perfect uh, schedule, like in between deer and turkey season. Yep. You know, it's early enough where if you're going to Florida, it's not gonna conflict with that. Yep. Uh, it's far enough out from deer season where you know you got got a couple weekends with the wife and mm-hmm. kids. You know, after deer season goes out, and then bam, Weaver. And a lot of people brought their kids, which yeah, is fun, too, that's what I was there, was, there was all kinds of kids running it around. It was a family-friendly event and stuff, and, you know, it was just like, it had a lot of kids of all ages running around, too, like, looking at some big deer, getting photos with big deer. But, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't kill, but they're just like, I want to hold the rack <laughs> and, like, you know, you know, stand next to the mountain stuff. It was it was awesome. Um, and then also, you know, having, uh, you know, all the food provided by Weavers, which was awesome as well, you know. The hot dogs, burgers, deer chili, the whole nine yards. And Miss Weaver made her donuts. Woo! The highlight of this oh episode. Oh, The highlight of this episode and the whole event was Miss Weaver's freaking donuts. Let yes. me tell you. Yes. Let, let me tell you right now. If I was on death row, I would make that my last meal. I, I, I might agree with that. Dude, I, oh, my gosh. They were so good. It, it was like if, if like, your sweet country grandmother... Made a Krispy Kreme donut. But you know the, how a Krispy Kreme donut's like really light, airy, and airy yeah, and just delicate. But, but, but let me tell you, these it donuts, was like that, but it was bigger than my child's head. It was like a gigantic. <laughs> but the thing, dude, they're so soft, airy. Oh my god, the fatness of me is coming out, baby. Oh, Inner fat kid. Oh man, so like He's I, trying to escape. Well, they were walking around with huge trays, like they were they were making them fresh. Okay, like they're coming out warm. And like, and like, it, and the cool thing is, this event, like, food and drink, everything was free for people, yep. all the attendees. So people grabbing donuts, and I, I kept hearing people talk about how good the donut was. I'm like, I'm holding out because I got to do, we got to do these Q and A's, and like, I'm not gonna be like in a like a sugar coma. sugar coma over in the corner somewhere. Okay? <laughs> well, as like we wrapped up the last Q and A, you know, had another hour and a half, two hours of the event left. There were still some more that they were bringing out fresh. I'm like, I'm gonna get me one. So there was a half of one. Someone was split in half. I'm like, I'll get the other half. <laughs> one bite. I'm. All, I'll tell you who was around me. Michael Pike. I think Shane Parker and Daniel Williams. I walk up to them. They're talking deer hunting. I take a bite, and I'm talking about. I was like, I out loud says so like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and they're like, "What?" And they look over at me. I'm like, "This is this might be the best thing I've ever eaten." <laughs> like, oh my it, gosh. this is unfreaking believable. I told her, anyways. So I couldn't have I couldn't have just half of one. So I went and get another one. Okay, yeah. Which is like that's yeah, like eating good. like five Krispy Kremes. Yeah, that that was probably there. like 2,500 calories right there. Probably, but dude, like you didn't even need icing on them, dude. Like you didn't need a glaze on them. Like you could have just had this the donut. Dude. It was incredible. Oh, yeah. but, dude, but the glaze was good too, though. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my goodness, they're dude, they're oh, so good. It was insane, but, but I kept sitting around talking with them, and like they're talking deer hunting. I'm like, gosh, did you try one of these donuts? <laughs> and they're Very like, distracting. and like, and like Shane was like, dude, it's incredible. And like Daniel said the same thing. And Michael's like, my uh, yeah, because Michael Pike was there. Some of you listeners got to meet Michael Pike at the oh, event, yeah. and because um, he missed the last year's event, but uh, I think he had to work. But anyway. Michael's like, man, I had one. I'm like, go get you one right now. And dude, he came back. He took a bite and he took a bite and he just started smiling. I'm like, that's what it does to you, dude. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, highlight highlight of the event was Mrs. Weaver's. I told I told Titus, um, who I've never met Miss Weaver. Never met his mom before. I haven't either. But Titus is one of the owners, of the main owner at uh, Weaver Meat Processing. But um, and his dad was there and everything. He's been at the event last year, but. I told him, like, dude, if your mom had a food truck and it was somewhere down in the Birmingham oh, area, she would sell less. out every freaking day with those donuts. I'd pay good money for those donuts. For sure. I'm, I'm talking I'd pay an obnoxious amount of money for one of those. 
They're so good, man. <laughs> so Listen. next year, y'all don't need to miss it next year, all right? Because next year, you know, I'm gonna try to talk her into doing it again. Because I'm like, last year she did homemade cinnamon rolls, which were really, really good. Oh but I will take those donuts. Those donuts were next level every day, and the cinnamon rolls were really good yeah. too. I mean, dude, it was just so good. Yeah, it, it's a great event, man. <laughs> and it's gonna be even bigger and better next year. This year we had a, a tent that was double the size of last year. Yep. Um, we probably had double the people. Yeah. That came through. I mean, I don't, we didn't get like an official head count, but we're estimating somewhere between 250, 300 people yeah. showed up. Mm-hmm. We had that big stage up there where, you know, we were able to get on stage to do the Q&As. Yep. We had a big speaker system. So it's, it's getting bigger and better. And we're already planning stuff for next year uh, to make it even, even better and have more stuff to do there and, and whatnot. So we're excited about that. And I'm really excited. This is just the first year of the Big Buck Contest, you know. As we snowball this thing and continue to grow it over the years, like this was year one. Yeah. Imagine year two, three, four, five, as this thing starts getting more popular and we keep growing it and yeah. more people are aware of it and come from different parts of the state. Dude, we're gonna I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to find me a deer enter next year. I, I shot, I shot two nice bucks this year, but nothing. I, I was like, I'm gonna. I'm like, I'm not gonna enter these bucks. But like next year, mm-hmm. this coming season, I'm mm-hmm. like, gotta find something that like, yeah, you know, I want to enter. Like you can shoot that ten point, you gotta enter that sucker. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna try. But um, we're gonna it, try. But it, dude, it was it's such a cool thing. And one thing is, is you know, trying to grow some bigger prizes for even though it was like you know had all these cash prizes up to a thousand dollars for like the winner of the competition. Also, they gave away like I think it's like a twenty five hundred dollar uh, shooting hand. House yes. as well and yep. a bunch of other stuff that like Mark's Outdoors had submitted who's one of our partners as well uh, like a, a big a, a feeder Moultrie feeder uh, Moultrie Edge uh, sale camera and a bunch of other stuff as well so mm-hmm. um, it like you didn't even have to win the competition but if you were in the top 20 you got entered for the drawings for like these different like items that they were giving away for top 20 participants and, and yeah. um, I guess uh uh, competition, just the the top twenty guys, um, but also I think next year this is something that's been kind of interesting. We're going to put it out there right now. I think we're talking about doing uh, a women's division as well. Mm-hmm. So like you have big buck competition, you also have a women's division as well, which I think would be really really interesting. Uh, you're doing a youth uh, division as well uh, for sixteen or under, and then also doing biggest six point, biggest eight point. Because, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know about y'all. Someone bring brought in like a 120-something inch six point. That would be awesome. That would be the highlight of the event, okay? <laughs> I want to see some Magnum six points. And we've got one on camera, okay? Yep. He might get killed. If we kill him next year, my, well, we're, in, we're, we're entering we're him. We're him, dude. Yeah. That, sucker, that sucker about to be cashing checks, okay? But, like... If, if you have the cool thing is like if you had like a big six point on your property or on your hunting club or on a piece of public you're trying to hunt you still could win some pretty sweet stuff potentially by entering a deer like that like you ain't gonna win the whole over you know overall i mean if you had 150 inch six point i don't know what that thing would look like but uh only one way to find out <laughs> go to deer farm yeah for real yeah so but uh but no dude it's it's it was such a cool event cool to talk to everybody um What's his name? Sam from Tennessee. He drove down. Yep. Yep. Dude, yep, that was his fun. story, uh, listener, I forgot, he'd been listening to the podcast for, I think, a couple years now. But brand new bow hunter went out, shot, I think, four deer with his bow, uh, two bucks. One of them was a hammer. I cannot believe he didn't shoulder mouth that deer. Killed him publicly and up in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Just a hammer of a buck. 
And uh, anyways, we talked a whole bunch about that. And I was like, man, you do this again next year. We might have to do a little highlight episode about like how you're applying things because it's, it's been killer so far, kind of seeing some of that feedback from some of those guys. But um, yeah, dude. It, yeah, it was fun. It was fun talking to everybody, man. It was a, it's always a good time talking to listeners. Uh, I was talking to a listener there towards the end, and mm-hmm. me and Pike were sitting there talking to him. And after a while, I mentioned, I was like, yeah, this is Michael Pike right here. He's like, you're Michael Pike? <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, this is the Dilla right here, boy. So yeah, it was a good time, dude. It was it was a really good time, and I got some good feedback from people also on you know what people are liking from mm-hmm. episodes and some stuff that we might have coming out in the future. Yep. So I got to pick some people's brains on that. So that that was fun. But yeah, dude, it was just a good time. Uh, that's always that's probably like my favorite event of the year because it's just like it's just you know it's it's all southern outdoors people. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it is. But it's also people that are there that like are not only interested in like seeing some big deer, but also like wanting to talk to some of these successful people. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of podcast guests there. Oh yeah, dude. We had Scott Seals, Michael Perry, Jamie McKay, Wes Moe, Shane Parker, Michael Pike, uh, Daniel Don Will- Cicero, Daniel Williams, Tony Myers, Tony Myers. Uh, man, there's a couple other ones that I'm leaving out. Uh, I'm trying to think based off what you had just said. <laughs> other ones. Um, God, who are we forgetting? I, I know, feel, I'm, I know, I'm forgetting people. I uh, feel terrible now. Uh, Alan Summerford. Alan Summerford. Yes. Uh, um, there's, there's another one. We had like ten different guests walking around. Yeah. At, at one time, and and that's what I was telling a lot of these listeners because they were saying like, well, oh, this or that. You know, I was listening to this episode with so and so. I'm like, well, he's right over there if you want to go talk to him. Steve Lucas. He's been on podcast. He's yeah. with the scores. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, dude, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, it, that's the cool thing about the event is because like. It's an environment that's like super just again, kind of family friendly, but like a lot of these guys are so approachable. Like if they're talking to somebody, yeah, you kinda wait your turn, kinda ease into the conversation a little bit. But like they're all there to talk deer hunting. Yeah. And it was just even though hey guys, we're getting towards turkey season, you know, kinda just had a turkey episode, we're kinda just talking about this deer hunting stuff still. Um, it, it was just cool for it's a really cool opportunity from a listener standpoint to be able to go and talk to some of these people and kind of pick their brain, talk about like the experiences they had and things maybe they ought to try different or work on mm-hmm. uh, in order to try maybe maybe make this next season more productive than how this season turned out for them. Totally. And dude, it, God, man, it, like you said, it's by far the best event I think we've done. Uh, first of all, I think ever, but also like the most exciting one, I mm-hmm. feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next year, I'm already kind of thinking about big plans for next year, dude. So it's, Oh yeah, we already got some, some stuff in the works for that for next year so it's 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 gonna be even better i'm I'm already very excited for it yep and uh especially now that we got the date nailed down because that was the big complaint from year one was uh why'd you do it during deer season i'm like well that's just the way the cookie crumbled yeah absolutely uh but yeah so anyways we appreciate everybody that came out for the event and uh you know you know kind of got active in some of the q a's and answering and asking questions the whole nine yards it was it was a fantastic time and also just enjoying some good food and good company that's right um but yeah other than that i'm trying to think you know we Turkey season is going to be here so freaking quick. We were actually talking about this uh, yesterday about maybe trying to do, or kind of going to text message group with Shane, trying to do maybe some kind of turkey camp, getting everything situated. Yep. Um, you know, one thing I didn't think about, so we got Piper's birthday, okay? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The next week is Thomas's, my brother's bachelor party, <laughs> and we're going down to old Biloxi. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, That's no. where we went for years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, go- we're going down there, and I'm like, What's up with all these bachelor? What's up with all these parties, guys? They're, see, my, I'm born in turkey season. My, my birthday's in April too, mm. but it's like I ain't celebrating no party. I, I, we're done with that crap, okay? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, y'all can text me, call me, cool. I, I don't need a freaking party because we got stuff to do. Working, we got, we got heads that need knocking. Yeah, just just like you know, <laughs> I, I just, oh man, yeah. I, f- I feel like we we have to do Piper's. What time is Piper's birthday? Uh, can it be like two? 
So I think we, it's I think it's at like two o'clock. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Good planning. If not, we're gonna confirm now with Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like two to four. Okay, pretty sweet. Sure four, yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just following orders. I know. Yeah. I'm like I'm not involved in this planning process. Yeah. Oh, but like yeah. It's like let me let me go hunt that morning to about eleven o'clock. I got like two or three weddings in Turkey City. That's so dumb to go to. But see, one you, of them one of them is in Florida. We'll see. Okay, let me talk about weddings real quick. But that means I'm gonna get to go hunt Florida. People so. so Looking back at this, is like, okay, you could have a wedding during, if you had a wedding during one hunting season, which would it be deer season or turkey season? Now I'm kind of leaning a little more towards deer season just because you oh, have yeah. a longer deer hunt. You know, you got a lot of seasons. 100%. Unless, unless you get married in November, like <coughs> JT. And, uh, <laughs> you know, thankfully we weren't going anywhere that year. But, you know, now he's got his anniversary week, which, you know, kind of that mid, that early mid-November time period. You know, if he's going to go up to Michigan and hunt, you know, the family farm and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot to kind of deal with. But it's like weddings in turkey season oh, should be illegal it's brutal illegal it's okay brutal because you only get like five weekends especially yeah. if you're in the wedding like i'm in thomas's wedding but his wedding's not until like march 26 which i mean we could travel and go turkey hunt that time of year but may I mean, 26 oh right. what is yeah no not march yeah may 26 yeah uh so you know season here in alabama will be wrapped up by that point i think georgia will be wrapped up as well so it's not that big of a deal you know not not really hunting anything late in the season but um but i was like dude I told him, I'm like, could we have not done this bachelor party like in February or like early March? Come on, Tom. And he's like, nah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's like, it's like April 14th. And I'm like, oh gosh, who playing this? I thought it was supposed to be March something, like March 14th. Mm. And he's like, nah, it's gonna be April. I'm like, okay. Thomas not turkey hunt? No. Well, he did last year when we went to Arkansas. I took him with me, and we got on a bunch of birds. He got, I'm talking about, fired up. He had birds gobbling his face. They just would not show themselves. You know, gobbling 60, 70 yards just over the edge of a bench in the mountains. Couldn't get any shot opportunities at him. Um, but he got fired up for it. And he's like, man, I want to turkey hunt with you guys. I'm like, well, why are we doing your bachelor party? We could be turkey hunting that weekend. Yeah. You know. What are you um, doing? So, anyway. But, yeah, he's going to try to turkey hunt with us. I, I told him. There, I got a couple spots I need to go spot check um, to get ready for season. Because, you know, in Alabama – which is kind of it's kind of interesting. I kind of I mean I don't mind the rule, but you can only kill one bird. I think it's I can I need to double check the regs. Actually, I might want to pull it up real quick. You got you can kill one bird uh, in the first ten days of season. Specifically talking public land. Yeah. But I need to clarify and see if it's one bird on that piece of public in the first ten days, or if it's one bird on any piece of public in the first ten days. Oh, that's a good question. I, I think I read it. God, I might get in trouble here. I might get somebody from the state calling me. And uh, Jacob, you did not put that out right. I think it's one in the first 10 days on a specific piece of public. Yeah, I think that's right. So that means you got to kind of bounce around. But the good thing is, get a spot like kind of where I found some birds last year. I'm sure those birds are still there. Uh, try hopefully get on one, kill one early, and then have Thomas there. Be like, all right, Thomas, let's go kill you a turkey. Um, and then yeah. go hunt with old Shane. Shane Parker. When you think turkey calls... Think of Houndstooth. Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configurations. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB Hen, some days I might like the Ghost Cut. Some situations I might like the Country Girl Call, you know, that I can cut on 
on really hard, where on other situations, I might like the all pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation. And hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP. 24. That's SOP24. Use that promo code. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you can head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give TrueLock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with TrueLock. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get up there by his place. Well, this weather we got going on right now has got two things in mind for me. One, fishing, which I went to Bass Pro yesterday and spent a whole bunch of money. Did on. you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What'd it's, you buy? I walked outside and it was like 70 degrees. I was like, let's go spend some money in the tackle section, baby. So uh, I just got a bunch of line, a bunch of crappie jigs, re-spooling everything. Uh, went and got some more um, spinner baits and stuff because I lose every single spinner bait I buy. So I went and got some of those mm-hmm. and uh, and got everything rigged up. Fished a little bit at Mama Mike's Pond yesterday. Caught a couple bass. That was fun. You, how, how they look? Were they real scrawny? Actually, looking, so, they looking pretty so healthy. One of them. One of them was probably like close to three pounds, and it was real skinny looking. Okay. And then the other one was kind of small. So me and Mike were talking. He was down there uh, talking to me when I was fishing, and he we were like, "Yeah, we probably ought to do another like day, like when Nick and Pam and everyone came mm-hmm. down," and we just hammered them and took yeah. a whole bunch of fish out we probably need to do that again yeah because both of the bass looked like not super healthy well that and also need to get their feeder going running again yeah he, to told, he told me running. he ain't had the feeder running i'm like man those fish are starving to death starving those, to death. Those, those bluegill about too big for the bass to eat them yeah yeah they, well that's another thing I'm, I'm i can't wait to go catch more bluegill they got huge shell cracker and bluegill in that yeah pond. buddy that's so. actually when i was talking to cody and he was talking about one of the parcels and he's like yeah i'm gonna put in a crappie pond i'm like you got my attention yeah <laughs> yeah dude come you, on you, you can keep the bass i'm like well, you get a crappie pond crappie pond tell talk to me yeah come on. You, you got my full attention baby like, come on let's let's go oh yeah dude yeah we just went and replenished the uh all the all the stock of everything uh looking at trolling motors too because we need a trolling motor for our boat yeah uh didn't get one yesterday but we we're looking so oh oh at bass pro shop you were looking at them yeah okay yeah so uh anyways uh so that that comes to mind mm-hmm. but two the turkeys man it's at the time we're recording uh, february 26th they're gobbling right now mm-hmm. uh especially on days like this where it's it's real warm like today it's it's probably going to get close to 80 degrees uh and it was think, like 48 50 this morning oh yeah tomorrow morning they're gonna be they're gonna be <laughs> hollering so you can go out and listen 
Yeah, I was gonna try. I tried to go out this morning, but I had to go. I had to go do yeah. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna try to go tomorrow. I hope I get to go tomorrow because I think they're gonna be talking for sure. Mm. Uh, Mike went this past weekend. and He didn't hear any. He went, yeah. I think once or twice uh, and didn't hear any yet. But I'm like, dude, just give him a couple days. Yeah, like you, they you get, get this this stretch of good weather. Yeah. They're gonna get in the mood, son. That, but also like if we keep like. You know, I, I just I had a post pop up on Facebook, like kind of like one of those historical posts where it talks about like, oh, you posted this three years ago, and it was talking about like the different seasons in like Alabama and the Deep South, mm-hmm. and like right now we're in the the fake spring or, or like <laughs> yeah. fall spring, yes. and it says like third winter is like the next phase, yes. and I guarantee got, I saw James Spann post about it this morning. Wednesday we're getting slammed with a cold front. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna freeze to death in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be like 40 degrees on Wednesday or something. Uh, oh, dude. Which is why I want to go listen tomorrow because we're going to get another stretch of. Yeah. Which, you know, here's here's the thing. Like, I a lot of deer hunters I know are like this. It's like uh, most of my friends are like this. Mm-hmm. They Everyone prefers uh, colder weather yep. because we live in Alabama and the heat is oppressive all summer. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I tend to agree with that, but. As soon as deer season ends, I'm like, all right, come on. Where's the heat? Like, where where is the warm weather at? I'm ready for 80 degree days. No, I'm, I'm I dude, I'm good with it. I'm cool with 60. Because, I, I like hoodie weather. I want like 65 as the high. That, I, no, that's that's good. I like that. And I like turkey hunting that too. If it's like if, I, it, I, if it's in the yes. 40s in the morning or like mm-hmm. maybe upper 30s, but especially like 40s and more, it's cool. Like you see your breath. You're just wearing like a nice hoodie. Oh yeah. And then like you know by like late morning you're taking the hoodie off, but you still got like a long sleeve. Yeah, it feels good. Like I like it where I can walk outside barefoot in shorts Hell and I'm not super no. cold. Like it, like I like you know 70 to 80 degrees. That's good. Um, well, I, nothing bums me out. All that to say that you know I don't like it when it's 100 degrees outside or anything. All that to say nothing bums me out more than like a uh, early March time frame where it's like 30 degrees. I don't like that. I don't like it at all because I can't go deer hunt. It's not that great for turkey hunting. Well, so I don't we, like we, to can't fish early, we can't turkey hunt in early March anyway. Well, I know, but I'm just saying. We, I, I want to be as cold as possible. Our turkey season used to open a lot earlier than it does I know. Now. I want to be as cold as possible up until like that week or two before turkey season, and no. then it starts to warm up. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's, no, let's I don't do it. like that. I don't like it at all. I only like it being cold when I'm doing stuff out in the woods, um, you know, like deer hunting or, or like bird hunting or something. Scouting. As long as I can like bird hunt or rabbit hunt, I want it to be cold. As soon as like the fall seasons run out, I'm like, all right, let's let's start getting warm again so I can go do other stuff. So mm. anyways, take take Piper down to the pool or whatever. You know? Way too cold for that. Go right do now. a little swimming <laughs> with you, the baby. That'd be an ice bath right now, even today getting up to 80. <laughs> We're going to get her to do a cold plunge. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know exactly how that goes. Second her toe touched the water. <laughs> <laughs> just, just letting it, let her holler. I'm ready. Yeah, dude. I'm just. I'm ready to get out on the boat. I'm ready to chase some turkeys. I'm ready to fish. And just, I'm, I'm ready. So have a good time. Yeah, and we'll see. And you, we, we mentioned this. I don't think we mentioned on the podcast. You're gonna hunt Florida, North yeah. Florida, because mm-hmm. um, you got a wedding during turkey season. <laughs> yeah, so, we're gonna a little surf and turf because we're going. It's gonna be at the beach. Surf and turk. Surf and turk. <laughs> So we're gonna do a little bit of fishing, and then we're gonna do a little bit of turkey hunting. Too. Yeah, and so then, there's a certain national forest. Down and there. we still got our license. You might not go back up there, but I think on a long weekend, some point, I'm probably gonna try to do another uh, trip up to Arkansas and see if I can get on those birds we got on last year. Because I've got like three spots that they didn't die all of a sudden; they ought to still be in there. <laughs> so uh, when does Arkansas close? Uh, that's a great question. They don't open until like later in April. Okay. So are they open till late May? It's a 
pretty like, short season. I think it's like a three week season. Oh, I think man. it's like mid May. Because we're, cause we're going up for Thomas's wedding. So. Oh, you know, it'll be closed by then. Oh, man. Yeah, it'll be closed by then. So I couldn't go like three or four days early. And I'll, get I will check the regs for you. and Because uh, that's the only way I'd go to Arkansas this year. Because I don't, I don't want to drive up there and turn around and drive back. I thought I had the Arkansas app on my phone, but I do not. Look at the app, look at the regs. Um, and then we still got our Georgia license. So we could go to Georgia, right? I don't know. We don't have our Georgia license. Oh, could because we bought it the year uh, before. Okay, yeah, I'm not doing Georgia then. So it expired in like October of this year. Yeah, negative. Okay, negative then. Huh. Shane's got his. He could go to Georgia. Shane could go to Georgia. I don't know. I'm trying to kill my birds in Alabama this year. I should have should have tagged out last year. Just freaking screwed the pooch in the last two. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm just focusing here on Alabama. Really, I'm only hunting Florida because I'm going there. But uh, but man, I was telling somebody. I think I was telling Tyler Malone this at the NWTF convention. I'm like, it's gotten to where. The, these last couple of years, the spring gets so busy for us yeah. that like it's it's almost taken away my desire to actually go like travel a lot. Like I'm down to go to Florida and, and go do that, but I'm just not. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not in the headspace to be like, oh, I'm I'm gonna hit Arkansas, Tennessee, and South Dakota and Montana. <laughs> and like I was talking to so many guys who were like rattling off all these states. I'm like, man, I just ain't got it in me right now, yeah. bro. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I, it'd be fun, but I, I don't have it in me, dude. Like it's the this spring is just so busy for us. I'm just like, ugh. I just want to hunt the club and a couple local public places, and and you know, I get four turkeys here, so. Let's see if I can go. I'm probably not going to get all four of them, you know? Hell so it's like, why well, am I going to go to all these different states? Anyways. But, oh, but, oh, I, I, was telling, I was telling Mike this. So I'm going to film you the first couple of days of season. Okay? Turkey season on the club. Okay. If you, don't, if you don't kill one, we rotate. Okay? Okay. I'm giving you a chance. Yeah. <laughs> all right? Hey, look. Opening day last year, we should have absolutely should have killed one. Should have killed two. Should've, you should have killed one and then I got yeah, the gun and yeah. shot 100%. one. 100%. But hey, now we know what they do <laughs> on the property. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go out there and actually a, a throwback episode that we're going to do here soon. Uh, talk about going out and, and listening for birds. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's in season or after season. But, like, let's say let's say you are fortunate enough to live close to wherever you hunt. Maybe you live right outside your national forest. Maybe you live next to a WMA. Maybe your club is close to the house. Like, whatever the case may be. On mornings where you can't hunt, you can probably still go out there until 7, 7 8 a.m. maybe and just listen. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to go out there and chase them or anything. Uh, so I'm going to be doing that this year out there specifically and going and just well, the the gist of it is you go out and you just listen to what the turkeys do so like listen to where they're all gobbling on the limb and then keep listening and you know after fly down see if any of them are gobbling on the ground are there places that they seem to be gravitating to it's yep. like okay he was gobbling over here and it sounds like he kind of walked down this ridge and now he's gobbling down here and you're just taking mental notes of, of where they roost and where they seem to like to go to and uh, and just very passively scouting like that, where you're just listening. That's all. That's really you're not walking in there and busting them or anything. Mm-hmm. You're just listening, and uh, that can like really help you set yourself up. So uh, we did a little bit of that last year, and when I ended up killing that bird on the club, that's pretty much exactly what that came from. Was it was before season came in, we didn't really do a whole lot of listening out there, and uh, throughout the first like week and a half of season i was just out there enough where i was like oh this is where they're going and then i went in there and killed that one so now this year uh we got a year of history with it so we know how they kind of like to use the place we yep. know how they move around on the on the club uh but also i'm gonna be i'm gonna be prepared we're gonna be out there listening dropping pins getting ready mm-hmm. so i'm excited it's gonna be fun maybe we'll kill one on I, I already know a couple spots that like even without 
I mean, you go scout a little bit, but where they like to hang out at, mm-hmm. like I was telling, I was telling uh, Mike, I'm like, if you just go set up in a couple of spots and have some patience, call just a little bit, not mm-hmm. much. Yep. Just let them know you're there, but that's about it. Yep. Probably going to go hammer them in a couple spots. Yep. Just because they, like, they like to frequent. And like we talked about that. Uh, actually, it wasn't even on the podcast. Talking with Alan Summerford about this at the at the Weaver meetup, the Hunters meetup. He was talking about like annual patterns, even with turkeys, where yep. like they like to use certain areas at certain times of the season. Yeah. And he's like, once you hunt a property for a couple of years, you kind of know what that pattern is of like where they like to be at. And actually, we did an episode. God, it was a long time ago with uh, uh, Dave Owens, and he was talking about that on some of the places he liked to hunt in Georgia, where he's like. He knew like early season they were going to be a certain part of like in that hill country. And then uh, you know a little bit later in the season they're going to be at a little bit different spot, a little bit different elevation. Like you kind of like know where they're at after hunting there for a few years. Yeah. And um, I feel like that's how the club sets up. Like there's some spots that I remember like where they were at early season. I think you just go in there quiet, no, no Al Houghton. You go set up. Yep. One rips, let him hit the ground, and you just freaking try to kill him. Yeah, that's the plan. I think we're going to do it. I think it's going to be good. I think we're having a really good season out there. So I'm excited. We've seen a lot of birds out there this year. So we'll see how it goes, my man. We'll see how it goes. But also, just on another subject, oh, we, I got a bunch of trail cameras I got to pull, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have probably like 12 cameras I still got to go get. And some of them are in an area that I'm not exactly looking forward to. And speaking of cold weather, I would love to go get those on a cold weather day. Like, not that... Not that I'm not willing to walk to them when it's hot, because I, I like that doesn't really bother me like it used to. <laughs> Snakes. Because if yeah. I get bit back there, it might might be no more Andrew on the podcast. Uh, oh, it, it, I tell you, I've said this all the time. It goes from the Southern Outdoors Men to the Southern Outdoors Man <laughs> podcast. Dude. Hey, people spell it wrong all the time anyways. I know. Mike said like you wouldn't have to change anything with a website, because like, SEO no, would be the same. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, um, I got to go get all those trail cameras and, and get all that data from from this past season, and yeah. uh, and then we'll use that next year. Mm-hmm. Super important for next year. But right. anyways, let's get some Q and A's. Let's hit them. So appreciate everybody submitting Q and A's again on the podcast. There's a link down in the really in the show notes, show description, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're at. Down below, there's a link for Q and A's. You can submit your questions. Again, we're starting to kind of work into some turkey questions. So if you have some specific turkey questions, feel free to write those in. And uh, also, if you have any that maybe you want to get like specific past podcast guests or even podcast guests throughout the spring, you know, to answer, let us know. We'll try to reach out to those guys and and get some direct responses from them. So, all right, this we're gonna do a turkey one. Uh, this is from Garrett Herring from South Carolina. He said, where do I need to key, on, key in on slash where to start scouting for turkeys within public land? What turkey sign do I need to prioritize? So, like I said, we're about to drop an episode. Uh, maybe this coming Monday, I think, is when it's going to come out. That will absolutely answer this question really, really well. But just for like for my answer, um, I would say just go out there and start listening for them um, and and. I honestly just start walking the the land and get a lay for the terrain and be like, oh, here's an old fence row right here. Oh, here's a here's some blowdowns in this little valley. Oh, here's this creek that's really wide because all that stuff is going to come into play later when you're actually trying to work a bird and you know that like, oh, there's that big wide creek right there that he might not want to cross. Like I need to get get around that. But as far as sign, like you can go and you can go find scratching like right now, late February, early March. But the at least here's here's my theory like the further you get into spring 
the less that scratching actually matters because when they're scratching, they're trying to get like bugs and acorns and all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. up under those leaves from this past fall. Um, and when everything starts greening up and you start getting little green sprouts and stuff all over the place they can eat, they don't scratch as much. Yeah. And so I don't, they still do scratch, but it's not like, like you'll find where they get in a big drove in the fall and there'll be like 15 hens walking around and they just destroy a whole valley where they come through scratching it. Like you cannot miss it. You yep. absolutely can't miss it. So you can go find that stuff just to get an idea of where turkeys are hanging around. Like that's helpful, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, oh, I found all the scratch and I need to hunt it because you're probably going to end up just hunting an area where they used to be and not yeah. where they are right now. Uh, but I would just go out and I would just start listening for them, get on high vantage points where you can hear really good and just passively scout them. And if you start hearing them in some areas, maybe go up in there and kind of walk around midday and just look around and, and see what you see and, and, again, get away for the land. But what's your thoughts, Jacob? I, mean, I was just to say scratching. Um, especially if, like, your season opens early, er, like late March, early April, you're still going to have bird – well, it depends. If you're, like, in super south Alabama, it may already be green up by that point. Yeah. Because like I noticed that last year with the delayed season, it was like there was some place that I'd hunt and it was like winter time. Okay. Yeah. And then I talked to buddies who were hunting like completely different area of the state, like further south, and they're like, "Oh, dude, we already have like green buds on the trees, and mm-hmm. like there's like more mm-hmm. understory." And like you said, like once that happens, they stop scratching so much. But like early season, especially like a couple weeks before season opens, you sit you, you if you get in an area where there's turkeys, you're gonna find scratching. Yeah. Hardwood 100%. bottoms. Little benches, if you're in hill country, little benches, little ridge points, specifically in the hardwood, some of the pines too, but like the pines, it's kind of weird. It's like you'll find it in some areas and in other areas, it's like they don't scratch much at all underneath that stuff, especially if it's like closed canopy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, especially like your, all your hardwood SMZs. Um, and like the guys, I'm trying to think, um, some of the, uh, back when we were doing the strut report, uh, when I was, we were doing that like in 2018, 2019, and maybe a little bit 2020, um, some of the guys I interviewed from South Carolina, especially because South Carolina is such a diverse state. Like you have like super flat land, kind of the more south you go and east you go, a little more hill country central part of the state and then even mountains in the northwest part of the state. You know, I think that plays a huge factor for you. But like scratching is going to be like the only sign you're really going to like kind of focus on. But then again, it's going to tell you they're here now. But, you know, t- if you're doing that three weeks before season comes in, they might be still be within earshot if you can get up on a high spot and listen. But they're probably not going to be in that same drainage exactly where you found the sign, you know, three weeks previously. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like I said, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that scratching doesn't matter because I think it does. Uh, but it, like if you go out and find scratching right now, just understand that they're probably not going to be right there in that same spot when the season comes in. And I would treat turkey scratch like when it c- comes time to start hunting, like you're a couple days out from season or you're in season scouting, treat scratching like you would a feed tree for whitetails. Like it. It needs to be, like, super fresh. Like, there needs to be fresh droppings in it, and you need to be able to tell that, like, they had ju- they have just done this in, like, the last day or it's two. It's kind of like aging a scrape with scratching. It's like you can see the moisture. Like, is it still moist, like, the earth underneath yeah. it, or is it, like, dry and kind of gray in color? Mm-hmm. Like, you can kind of – and also, like, is the leaves, when they kick it out, especially in hardwoods – are they still lofted or they're like kind of like aired up a little bit yeah. or are they all matted down? Yes. That's because, a, oh, that's really good. Because like if it's matted down, like you can see scratching that's like a month old where like a huge drove, huge flock of turkeys comes through. 
and they kick up the ground and like if you find that a month later you'll see they're scratching but all the leaves will be like completely pressed down because of the rain the wind everything else yeah but if it's all lofted and like kind of like aired up where yeah. they, they've almost just like you it, fluffed up the the dust on the ground that's a lot fresher and like yeah. and we've had podcast guests like jared smith's talked about this uh who's been on the podcast past podcast guests for turkey hunting um like finding some of that sign especially on like a quiet morning where they're not gobbling setting up and like hey i'm gonna spend a couple hours here because mm-hmm. clearly they just came through here within the last you know 12 you know either that morning or maybe the following uh, yesterday afternoon and set up and they might be within earshot and do some soft calling and just stay patient and you might just have one come in silent yeah and we, we've had past podcast guests talk about that yeah and again that's more like that early season time period um but yeah i mean that that's like the biggest thing on aging uh scratching is like is the leaves lofted or are they matted down if they're matted down it's old i mean weeks old probably yeah also for public land i would just go look for tracks on dirt roads too a lot yep. uh that's that's a really good way to just find where turkeys are also it, and then i again i can't stress it enough like listen for them and, and listen for them not just right there at daylight but like like bring, bring you like a snack or bring you a little breakfast out in the woods and sit there until later in the morning if you can and like really listen after they get on the ground and say, because like he might gobble a hundred, like there might be two different turkeys and one of them gobbles like a hundred times on the, on the roost, just like burning it down. And the other one gobbles like one time, but then after fly down, let's say it's like eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning. The, the one that gobbled so much on the roost is shut up and he's gone. Like you don't know what's going on with him. But now all of a sudden that other one is standing on a certain ridge point. He gobbles three or four times at like 8am. That's the turkey that I want. You know, that's the turkey I'm going to go look for. So uh, I, I really like to prioritize where I hear I'm gobbling on the ground, like where you know that they're on the ground and they're in a spot and they gobble multiple times in a spot. Like there's usually a reason that they're doing that. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Next up, we're going to go with a... Uh, Ooh, interesting conversation. Help me out with this name. Zach? Suddenly German. From Texas. I'm or sorry. Polish. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Zach. I can't pronounce your last name. Uh, Jawiski? Yeah, that was was a good try. Um, Hey, guys, I was looking to go out turkey hunting this coming spring and wanted to make it a little more difficult for my first time. (laughs) Oh, God. God God bless you. With that being said, what broadhead do y'all recommend for turkey hunting? So I will start by saying that neither one of us have ever killed a turkey with a bow. No, I've tried. we have talked to people who have, uh, including most notably Tim Knight, who's yep. killed how many turkeys has he killed he's killed a lot he keeps a running tally of George, tim knight from Georgia. Over, over 150 i know for yeah sure. he's killed a lot of turkeys with a bow and he actually makes a broadhead it's called uh, bipolar broadheads mm-hmm. and uh i believe it's like a fixed and mechanical kind of hybrid yeah but what i've heard people talk about when it comes to turkey hunting is like you don't uh, necessarily want like a super high penetrating broadhead because you actually want the arrow to stay in the bird. It, because it, if you just zip an arrow through it and he jumps off the side of the ridge and sails 300 yards, well, it's going to be really hard to find that turkey. So you typically want something that is going to hit the bird and cause the damage but stick in him and hinder that flight. Uh, and so they make turkey broadheads that are just obnoxiously gigantic. But, uh, but, but any like big uh, mechanical broadhead works. I think Rage actually makes some mm-hmm. that are for turkeys that are actually, they got little hooks on them where it's made to, again, hit the bird, cause the damage, but st- have that arrow shaft in the bird, which hinders them from running off or flying if off. If you want more details about bow hunting for turkeys, go back. This is back in 2021, uh, March of 2021, episode 232. Again, episode 232, bow hunting turkeys with no blind with Tim Knight. This guy we're talking about. Um, <clears throat> so one thing Tim talked about in the episode is actually it's almost it's 
harder than you think to fully penetrate a turkey because like unlike a deer where like yeah they get big bones but it's like just you get you need some rib bones as long as you don't hit the shoulder you know your couple rib bones you might go through go through one or two maybe on one side then you have you know 12 or maybe 12 14 inches of just you know organs and then it comes up to more bones yeah a turkey they're so compact and there's so many bones and like a, a small frame that it's actually a lot of stuff for you to go through and the, and the feathers too yeah, i mean and those the, feathers are no joke so he was talking about i think he shoots one of i think he might shoot his all still uh bipolar but he turns his bow down a whole bunch like i think he only shoots he talks about that so i think he shoots like 45 pounds or something for turkeys yeah um but he does body shots there you have some guys that do just try to head shoot turkeys with like the big uh that guillotine broadhead yeah like this, whatever yeah big three blade gigantic freaking tomahawk looking broadheads um those always kind of freak me out a little bit just because like i don't know how you put them in your quiver and then yeah. number two it's like that's a lot of blade that you could stick yourself with like cut yourself with a little bit and i'm like <laughs> i don't like that one bit dude um but uh but anyway so tim's a, a great resource so again episode 332 would be a, a great one to listen to and check that out. i have no opinion on this i know a lot of guys like mechanicals i know some guys hunt with fixed blades yeah just Tim would be a guy I would listen to what Tim says and I would do whatever Tim says because he's yeah. killed a lot of turkeys in the deep south with a bow. Absolutely. Agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, we're going back to uh, deer with this one. This is Chad Robinson from Alabama. Could you go over some examples of compounding features that y'all talk about in big wood settings and in pine slash cutover as well? Also, do you have any episodes that would be beneficial to listen to with regarding those features? Thanks for what you do. I've been a long-time listener. So, yeah, Jacob, uh, we pull up. Like, there's several episodes that are really good on this. I can, right off the top of my head, Josh Driver's episode uh, 141, which I think we reposted as 512. That's a really good one to listen to. Uh, that's kind of where we were introduced to the compounding feature, um, like the idea of compounding features. So that's a, that's a good one. Um some examples would be like, for instance, where uh, like a saddle, like a big saddle dumps down into like a thermal hub. That's one that I personally like where you have, you have let's say you got a ridge system that goes north and south. And on the east and west side of that ridge, you've got two thermal hubs and there's a nice saddle in between them. I like that. I like where a bench runs into a saddle where you have like a, on a ridge side, you've got a really nice bench and it runs into a saddle. Mm -hmm. I really like that as well. And also when it comes to, uh, like I, I also look for compounding features, uh, as it relates to habitat also. Mm -hmm. So I'll look at where, okay, here's a, here's a really nice saddle, but there also just so happens to be a nice habitat edge where some, uh, you know, really thick four-year-old pines, meet some some other kind of habitat and it runs right through that saddle because I know that deer are going to run that habitat edge. Mm -hmm. And then, so that habitat edge runs into that saddle, so that would be a compounding feature. Yep. Um, what do you have? Um, one, especially in clear cuts, and we talked about this a whole bunch, this is like one of my favorite compounding features is like you have a clear cut and it might go around a thermal hub where you have a couple different drainages all dropping down to like mm -hmm. a little creek bottom. But in and around that clear cut, especially like a younger clear cut, like three years old, two years old, something like that, <clears throat> that has like chest high, head high growth in it. There's a ditch that like, it's almost like a little SMZ that came up into the clear cut only comes up maybe 50 yards, but maybe the clear cuts 200 yards across. Yeah. And then it just goes from like a SMZ with staining timber in it to just a ditch, like a low ditch that runs up through that clear cut. Mm. I want to be sitting where I can shoot that ditch. Yeah. 
if you're bow hunting, you gotta be right on top of it. If you're gun hunting, I get like 100 to 150 yards off that ditch and be able to watch down that ditch. And the deer aren't necessarily gonna be in the ditch going down into that thermal hub, into that drainage system in the bottom of the clear cut. But a lot of times they're running that, that sides of that ditch going down. I hunted that, I hunted one like that in uh, December, saw a bunch of does. That's what all the does did. Never laid eyes on a buck, but there's bucks on in that area. And uh, this is an easy place where a buck or does in general can just cross that clear cut without being seen very easily, mm-hmm. stay in that low spot. And that's something that Shane Parker talks about in more hill country is like you have some of these ditch systems, not even like a big creek system, but like a ditch, like a ditch that might be five feet deep, 15 feet wide, or maybe more narrow than that, that runs up a ridge. Like that could be a focal point for deer traveling up and down. Like we've seen that in some areas where like that's where the focal point of all the, di- the all the buck sun is in and around those ditches. Yep. Um, and sometimes there's a habitat break. Maybe like in that ditch is more shrubbier, uh, like uh, brush kind of growing in and around that ditch that the deer can kind of stick around, yeah. especially in open timber. Um, and then also one thing I love, like dude, you talk about like awesome, and done this in Arkansas, done this in Alabama. I'm trying to think where else I've hunted hill country mountains uh georgia like this as well where you have like bigger hill or even like a mountain and there's a bench that runs along that mountain normally multiple benches but you have a big ditch like a big drainage that comes up onto the side of the mountain and that bench like hits that ditch and like it necks down that is awesome because you can catch pat you catch path travel a couple different ways going uh side hilling along the bench or just above the bench just below the bench but also any kind of path of travel coming up that big drainage before they drop off onto a bench and they kind of run the bench around. Yeah. Um, and I hunted something like that in Arkansas and called in a couple bucks, did not shoot them. And also seen a black bear that morning, doing the exact same thing. Should have shot it, didn't shoot it. And I shot a black bear that afternoon on public. Yeah. Uh, using just like that, like coming up a ditch, through a bluff gap, hit the bench, shot it, boom. And it was like this, it's compounding uh, train features that like you have a bunch of different paths to travel coming into one specific mm-hmm. small area. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the formula for it is just take whatever terrain feature you can think of and just find where it hits another terrain feature. Like it's, it's that simple. But again, I, like I said before, I also do it with habitat features yeah. as well. And that could be especially useful for like people who hunt flatland or small, like hill country. That's not yeah. real steep. Um, yeah. You might want to focus more on the, cause it's, you know, there's like, if you're hunting flatland, you might have like a slew head or something like that, mm-hmm. or, uh, like a really cut bank Creek that, that bends around or, or that those are your, like your major terrain features, but then you're going to have more habitat features as well, yep. uh, that are going to dictate movement. So like, I, I kind of mix and match them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll have maybe it's two habitat features that meet each other, or maybe it's a terrain feature that meets a habitat feature, or maybe it's all three, which yeah. is which would be really nice. So, uh, anyways, um, did did you mention Chuck Young's episode? Yeah. Uh, so an episode that especially if you're in a little bit more big wood setting, which based off your question kind of sounds like that, a really good episode talking about uh, targeting compound features um, is episode 384. Again, episode 384, which came out of July of 2022. And it, the title is Targeting Compounding Topo Features for Mature Bucks with Chuck Young. If you just search Chuck Young, uh, again, Y-O-U-N-G, on like Apple Podcasts and hit search, his episode will come up. Like yep. that's that's the easiest way I love searching for specific episodes. I don't look it up by episode number. I just search the guest name and it'll pop up. And you can go to our website and search on our website. Uh, on, uh, like when you go to our website, the podcast tab, there's a little search bar at the very top of the podcast feed. And that 
that will for sure get you your episode. Because sometimes if you look on Apple, there might be like a bunch of other stuff on there or Spotify. If you go to the website, it will 100% get the episode you're looking for. Yeah, and, and also the secret to like, especially I use Apple Podcasts, searching somebody's name. And I can't really show you guys on the camera, but if you are if you go to your search tab on Apple Podcasts and you hit the all podcast search bar, if you go and hit it, it will allow you to look up whether it's in uh, all podcasts, like you search a person's name like Chuck Young, it will say either on the left-hand side, all podcasts, or you can hit your library. If you hit your library, it's only the podcast you're subscribed to. Oh, that's, I didn't even know that. That's the fastest way to find a guest on a specific episode on a podcast that you're subscribed to. So, um, yeah, it's super easy to do that. Again, you can just use that search tab, hit my library. It says your library, actually. Search the name, and it'll pop up the episode that you know came from our podcast. Yep. So makes it super, super simple. But, I learned uh, something today. No, yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> I good. didn't know that. <laughs> Old dogs can learn new tricks. That's right. That's right, boy. All right, cool. That, that everything you got? Yeah. That's, that's three. Yep. So appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Appreciate everybody watching the podcast. Appreciate everybody buying all of our apparel. Y'all have pretty much bought everything we have other than a couple Blaze Orange hats, and we got a few more chocolate chip hats left right now. We are waiting for... We got more on the way. More on the way. It's going to be a little while. So again, if you're wanting a really good Southern Outdoorsman hat, this chocolate chip hat that I've got on, and it's right here in front of me, is a fantastic, again, brown hat. It looks really, really good. And um, be a pretty good turkey hat. It would be a pretty good Earth tone. Hat. We put the Earth Tone patch on it so you could like turkey hunt in it or do whatever uh, yep. it doesn't have any like orange or anything on it it's all earth tone color so you can totally turkey yep. hunt it. sweet hat so y'all go check this out again link down in the show notes for that or just go to the southernoutdoorsman.com so appreciate all that support there and other than that we'll catch you back for monday's episode from the southern outdoorsman podcast and remember guys y'all stay southern All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be. If you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It is an excellent group of people that are going to be there. A lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there. You're going to get to talk to them, shake their hand, learn from them in person, make some connections. And guys, we get a lot of questions about uh, which saddle should I get? Which tree stand should I get? What about this piece of gear? What about that piece of gear? How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.